Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss why there's no hardware in stock anywhere and deliver to you a brain filler on one of the alleged culprits, GDDR memory. Then we head to Camera Corner where Wendy discusses creating HDR images. We got a lot of DRs going on in this episode. So sit back, relax, and plug in because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware Padawan. So let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, what do you have up your sleeve? Video game controllers. I got an Xbox uh, One controller and a PS4 controller, and I wanted to kind of t- like you know put them against each other. And like which one? Because I actually haven't had a new controller since the 360, and my 360 controller just, you know, went kaputs or whatever. And I decided to make a, you know, get a new controller. And I just figured, well, since I'm here, I might as well try both of them. And so far, the Xbox One controller is weird. I don't know. For some reason, if it, it feels off from comparison to the 360. I, I'm well, just so I mean, your 10-year-old technology that you're just yeah. starting to get to now. Now, I assume <laughs> you're using this only for PC, right? Yeah, only PC gaming, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't have an Xbox One or a PS4 or a PS5 or any of that stuff. It's just PC, but I wanted a controller because my 360 one messed up. But the uh, Xbox One controller is also the same one for the Xbox Series X or whatever it's called, the idiotic name that they have. It's uh, it's the same controller because it's called the Xbox Core controller, and they just use the same one for each. So it's still up to date in that respect. Although the you know the PS4 controller is uh, definitely older. Now but, I feel like you should have went with the PS5 controller and maybe try out the PS4. And if you don't like it, send it back and get the PS5 because uh, to me, Sony because I'm an Xbox controller person myself. I now I know this is a highly arguable and personal thing. But when the PS5 controller came out, my whole impression changed of which one was actually better. And I actually prefer Sony's controller now with the PS5. It's just slightly more elongated, button placement's a lot better. I think it improved on the PS4 controller a lot. And you don't have to have a PS5 for it. But I don't know how well it works on PC. I assume it would just work, but who knows? Well, I mean, I'm using Linux. It doesn't have support at all. But uh, because the the next version will have it because the, the, the they've already worked on making support for it, but it hasn't been you know fully pushed you. out. Implemented. But, uh, yeah. So that's yes, they haven't. Impl- it's been implemented by Sony because it actually is officially built by Sony for that support. They just haven't. It hasn't got out to the users yet. Uh, but I am interested in doing it, and I might you know replace it at some point if they get it out quickly. But the three the the uh, Xbox Core controller is interesting because it feels slightly smaller and also thicker than the 360 but it's mostly the same so it's just kind of like just a little bit weird and off a little iterative upgrade yeah yeah it's like a, it's, it's just kind of odd but uh i did get it yesterday and opened the box yesterday and already used it yesterday so you are making progress this is amazing right. he's growing up Wendy, right before our eyes <laughs> heck yeah so, Wendy, what adventures have you had? 
Well, for my mother-in-law, we helped my father-in-law pick out a tablet for her because she's been doing a lot more reading and that kind of thing. And uh, she she hates her cell phone. She never uses it. So we knew that she wouldn't be reading on her phone. So something that was bigger. And we had originally kind of talked about maybe a Kindle device. And talking to my husband, we're like, ah, well, maybe one of the Galaxy tablets would be better especially when it comes to size and that kind of thing and being able to do multiple things on it. She loves to play solitaire. So this way she wouldn't have to always be sitting at the computer. She could be playing solitaire while waiting in the doctor's office or, or whatever, have more uses out of this device. So after getting hers and I tried to make sure everything tech wise was all set up for her before she even opened it. Christmas morning, right? I had the screen protector on it. It was inside its case. It was ready to go when she opened it Christmas morning. So really all she had to do was turn it on. And in playing with that one, I was like, "Mm, I really like the size of this tablet. And I think I need a new tablet. Nice. So So you stole it and didn't give it to her? No, no. She got hers. And I actually ordered my own on the 26th. So I got a different version. She got the A7 and I ordered me the S7. And one of the biggest differences between these two is mine comes with the pen, which I'm I'm really excited about. One of my favorite phone lines I've ever owned was the Note. And I use the pen all the time. So I was wanting the pen for me. So I could take notes directly on it. And hers is a 10.4 inch. Mine's going to be an 11 inch screen. Look at you. I know. I'm really excited for this to show up. Huge, huge difference. (laughs) But when you're talking about a device like that, it does make a big difference in in overall size. Strangely enough, it does. Yeah. Now, this looks like a really nice tablet. And I could see it being perfect for you because of the pen and art design capabilities of this. You could do a lot of touch up and things like that, I would imagine, on this type of tablet. Yeah, well, and photography stuff wasn't kind of my main goal for this, though. That'll be kind of fun to see what I can do with it on that kind of thing, because my camera has Wi-Fi capabilities and I can send images directly from my camera to a mobile device. So I could do editing directly on this tablet from sending raw images from my camera to the device. That, that'll that be kind of fun to play with. But one of the reasons why I liked it is because when I'm listening to talks or books or all different kind of things, I really like to take written notes. And for me, the written note helps me remember what was going on. So I could type it out, but I remember so much better if I've physically wrote it. I also do recall better if I'm writing things. So every time I'm on the phone with like tech support or something like that, I write my phone number down because it's easier for me to recall my own phone number that way. So I want to be able to write physical notes on this, but not have sheets of paper or need to constantly be clearing my desk because I have a whiteboard on my desk. Um, be constantly clearing my desk so I can write new notes. This will give me the ability to have the handwritten notes, be able to save them without using a bunch of paper. 
I like how you've come up with all of these awesome productivity ideas that really you got it just to watch some movies and stuff on. But I like the fact you convinced yourself with all of that. And the funniest part of your story to me was the writing your own phone number down. I've been in these situations where it's like, hey, what's your phone number? And I have to think. And they're like, you don't remember your own phone number? And I'm yeah, like, no, no one does. I'm like you, I don't call myself. Right, no exactly. One, no one should remember it. That's the right. weird thing. And people who say anything like, you know, that. Like I was actually going to bring that up too, and be like for people who are like just think about the fact that no one remembers their own number because you're never going to call it. And actually, I don't remember most numbers of anybody because that's why you put it in your address book. Yeah, when I was a button. kid and we didn't have this computer in our pocket, I had to remember everybody's number. But I since right. gave up that habit. <laughs> exactly. I still remember my husband's number, but when we started dating, smartphones weren't a thing, so you had to remember phone numbers, and his phone number hasn't changed. So I I know his off the top of my head, no problem. And we've actually been in situations where I don't believe you. I give Tell somebody. <laughs> no. I give Who's somebody. Who's gonna call Magneto? <laughs> <laughs> I give somebody his number because that's the one that I remember. And they're like, "Uh, yeah, we can't find that." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's because it's the wrong number." There you go. <laughs> So this week, I got a pretty awesome Christmas present that I was excited about, a 3D printer. Now, I had a 3D printer in the past, one that took me and my brother both seven, eight hours to put together. It was one of those kits. This one, thank goodness, uh, was 90% put together by itself. So it's an LGT Longer LK4. So it's not one of the higher end 3D printers, but it's amazing. And that was one of the reasons why my wife picked this one out, because a lot of the pros and, and people out there were saying this thing's just such a good kit for the money and the value you get out of it. I have printed stuff every single day, all day long since I have this thing. I mean, I have a row of 3D prints and it's he, just beautiful. <laughs> Baby Yodas, little owls, unicorn for my daughter, all of this cool stuff that I'm printing out. I haven't gotten to anything where I like would be useful for repairing something. But like you, Wendy, I use that as an excuse for why I have to have one, right? Because one day I'll print some stuff out and fix something. <laughs> but for right now, it's just creating toys and things like that. So I'm really, really happy with this 3D printer. So if you're in the market for one, check out the LGT Longer LK4. I've just been blown away by how simple it is to use and operate. And I've been playing with different software like Cura but mostly I've been just printing directly to it from an SD card, putting the G code files on it and just letting it go. It's been a pretty nice. awesome experience. Nice. I've always wanted to get a, a, a 3d printer just to, just uh, to do obviously like fixing things and having yes. also, yes, those things, but you know, it'd be nice to have the option of building stuff for fun too, but uh, yes, you need to toys. make some, you need to make some like uh, 3d model star Trek stuff or something like that. I think that if you're if you're not doing that, you're just kind of like wasting the potential of the printer. So just well, I did have this one idea for those that listen to Destination Linux. Jill outdid me on Destination Linux recently with her Star Trek collection. So hopefully she I think she does listen to this. Hopefully she skips this episode because what I want to do is print some random Star Trek thing out and be like, oh, this was given to me by Captain Kirk himself. You probably don't have one of these, <laughs> you know, and just really one up her that way. Yeah. See, I, last I, time I you did that. that, but it was about the kitchen computer. 
Um, yeah, I, I upgraded mine. So you better watch what you say on here. Cause Did you upgrade again? You might be listening. God. No, it's really been a while ago. Stop. Okay, good. You, you need to 3D print your own kitchen um, computer, right? They're still building my <laughs> cabinets, which are all LCD, made of LCD screens. So I'm just yeah, waiting for that to finish. Yeah, the I'll whole, believe it the when I cabinetry. see it. He took he took a bunch of TVs and just turned them into cabinet doors, and that's really what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole kitchen's one big LCD. I there would love go. to see how you're running those wires. No, don't worry about that part. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting for you. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs their App Platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. And they built this new App Platform on top of DigitalOcean's Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a listener of the Hardware Addicts podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free, actually better than free, because you can get started by going to do.co slash DLN and get a $100 free credit. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get a $100 free credit and for the DigitalOcean's new app platform service. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. Okay, Wendy, so what the heck is going on? I wanted a new GPU for Christmas. I wanted yeah. to put the new AMD in my system, maybe even an NVIDIA, just something new. And I couldn't find it anywhere. There's none. They're out of stock. And I they kept are. asking, why? Why can Because I know you're in the market for one as well, right? I was. So the money that I was going to be spending on a graphics card went to this tablet because I couldn't find a graphics card anywhere. I looked directly from AMD's website and there we're out of stock. But look, you can buy our graphics card at all of these other places. Yeah, all of those other places don't have one. I've seen some from quote unquote third party sellers and I'm like, oh my gosh, those prices are absolutely outrageous. And, and it doesn't even have to be one of the newer line of graphics cards. All of the graphics cards new and used across the board right now are way higher in price than they were this time last year. Yeah, so the market's just kind of flipped on its head and it really begs the question what's happening. A lot of tech interviews and articles are talking about, well, COVID created an increased demand due to people being at home, which I think all of the stuff that we're going to mention here probably has some impact to the market. Bots are buying up all the inventory and scalpers are, re are reselling them for three times their value. I see this all over the place. So I know oh, yeah. that there's some legitimacy to that being part of the problem as well. And I wish the government would like come in and shut down all of these scalpers computers permanently. Never allow them to touch a computer again. That would be sweet. But there's another cause that was really interesting. And that is GDDR6 and 6X, which is a memory that's being used in both desktop GPUs and gaming consoles, and that the manufacturers are completely unable to keep up with the demand. So NVIDIA themselves has been a little bit more upfront than other companies about their shortage. 
And they stated, and I quote, we do have supply constraints and our supply constraints do expand past what we are seeing in terms of wafers and silicon. But yes, some constraints are in substrates and components. Those components that they're talking about there likely being GDDR6. So all this talk about GDDR RAM, I think it's time that we do a brain filler on this and answer the question, what the heck is this RAM anyways? And Michael, I when I was looking into this, I thought, you know what Michael's going to say about GDDR SG RAM? It just rolls off the tongue from a marketing standpoint. It does. <laughs> I, I am a huge fan of GDDR. <laughs> That's what it sounds like, right? It's even hard to say like GDDR. GDDR RAM. So GDDR is a type of SG RAM, not SD RAM, that is used for GPUs, game consoles, and graphic-based computing. And the GDDR stands for Graphics Double Data Rate. So now it should wow, all that make sense. That's the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could you uh, could you explain the uh, you know what the the definition of it means so you could like you know. I, I appreciate the initialism breakdown, but like, what does any of that mean? <laughs> well, we, you know, that just covers the GDDR part, but there's different types as well, because we have GDDR type six. And so you can add the SG part in there, and then it all goes to graphics, double data rate type six, synchronous dynamic random access memory. Okay, now I got it. Now the show can end. Okay, cool. Yes. If you need to get out of going to a party with one of your friends, you could just say you came down with graphics double data rate type six synchronous dynamic random access memory and you can't come over right now. Yeah, that scares Um, me right there too. Yeah. Well, it's a synchronous memory with really high bandwidth, much higher than standard DDR RAM because I see a lot of people asking the question, why don't we use this RAM in our desktop computer? And the answer is because they're used for completely different purposes. Graphics memory, like you see in these video cards, like you see in, of course, the Xbox, the new Xbox, the new PlayStation 5, all of these things that are out of stock. It needs really huge bandwidth and rather than low latency in order to work well. Graphics cards move lots of huge files simultaneously. Think about what they're processing. However, compared to how fast things work outside the GPU, They're moving them much slower. DDR RAM is a completely different purpose, completely different style. It moves small files at much higher speeds, so it requires less bandwidth. But much more important is the latency, something we've talked about in prior episodes when you're looking at the RAM. Make sure you're checking out the latency when you're doing the DDR RAM. So that's the difference between the two and why you wouldn't want to use GDDR RAM as your desktop memory. And also why you can see it's so sought after because we have two new consoles that released at the same time that both utilize that. We have two major battles going on between AMD and NVIDIA happening at the exact same time, all of them using a version of this graphic memory. All of them using that version when there has been issues with manufacturing. So that makes for a major bottleneck across four different products. That's right. And even though some of the cards are using the GDDR6, which is 14 to 16 gigabytes per second, and some of the graphics cards are using the GDDR6X, more expensive ones at 21 gigabytes per second, 
With the regular six, you have a manufacturer, multiple manufacturers that can produce this Micron, Samsung, and others. Whereas the 6X is just Micron, as I understand it, that's manufacturing this for NVIDIA. But in both cases, because anybody, like you said earlier, Wendy, is trying to get a hold of any card, they're all basically in a situation where the supply, the demand is so much higher than the supply out there. And which is why there's not enough PlayStations, there's not enough Xboxes, there's not enough NVIDIA GPUs, and there's not enough AMD GPUs to go around there. We basically need many more companies out there producing this. And in fact, they said that they're probably not going to be able to catch up until February of 2021. So that's when they're thinking things are going to clear up. If you don't need a graphics card right now, there's absolutely no reason to pay the exorbitant prices. Because I I can hang on to my 580 and not worry about it. Because it's right now, while it's not my ideal, it's getting the job done. So don't upgrade unless you absolutely have serious need of it. Yeah, that's a good tip, I'd say. But also, uh, you mentioned the GDDR6 and the GDDR6X, which that's just even better of a naming scheme. So... What does the X have to do with anything? And why does that like seemingly the same type have such a significant difference between the speeds that they can do? Really good question. So we had GDR, GDDR5 and 5X as well. And the 5X, the 5 went from 8 to 12 gigabytes. And then the 5X took it up to all the way to 14 gigabytes per second on up in the bandwidth. And when we talk about GDDR6 and 6S, X, not S, Now I'm thinking about the Xbox there. The X actually (laughs) signifies something slightly different in the 6. It's basically they switched to a PAM4 encoding, or in layman's terms, a different signaling technology, which doubles the data rates, basically just an improved generation for most people to look at. So that's why your, your more expensive NVIDIA cards, actually the 3080 and the 3090, come with the 6X RAM, which is, as I understand, only made by Micron. And it was a special partnership between NVIDIA and them. Whereas Samsung also makes the GDDR6 without the X. And they would be a supplier along with Micron for all the other ones out there. So you would have hoped we would have had supply there, but we don't. And I agree 100% with what you're all saying. Do not buy. Do not fall into the trap of paying these scalper prices because it only encourages them. The only way to make them go away is to pretend they're not there. Just don't do it. Even if you have the money, don't throw it away. You're ruining it for the rest of us. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I know in the past I've sent Michael an image or whatever, and the size, he's like, oh my goodness, that's absolutely huge. So Michael, knowing the size of some of the images that I send you, (laughs) this higher band rate, and this is why I would love the GDR6, is when you're working on video, especially where those higher tiered graphics cards for NVIDIA are being marketed to creators for video editing, for photo editing, this higher band rate is to process more of these really, these really large files, really large. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But what doesn't make sense to me is how do you have a 40 megabyte image? It's an That's image. Tiny. <laughs> 
I'm sure that you would definitely benefit from this on multiple fronts, not only from a gaming front, but of course your photography and anybody doing video editing and that stuff, which is why HBM was such an awesome memory type as well on the Radeon 7. Of course, we didn't get that in this generation of AMD GPUs, which I was disappointed in, but being that we already have a bottleneck in this type of RAM, not surprised. The other thing that people may recall from prior episodes, if you've been schooled, if you've been listening to hardware addicts up to this point, then this is going to make sense to you. The GDDR RAM uses the RISC or reduced instruction set, and the DDR is the CISC, complex instruction set. So it kind of makes sense if you've been following along in those past episodes where we talked about this between the ARM processors and the x86, this different instruction set, why you would want to use different type of memory for these different types of tasks in here and what they can be used for. But I feel like Michael's going to ask me, but I need a fast food analogy. So let me hook you up here, Michael. <laughs> I was. I totally was. <laughs> I feel like it won't sink in unless you have a fast food reference. So, you know, think about the uh, DDR RAM, you know, just, just our standard desktop memory as a McDonald's. Right, You've got a lot of different instructions coming in, a lot of different types of orders coming in. But it's it's organized. You've got lanes of traffic coming in. Everything's organized. And the GDDR, that's a buffet. That is like, uh, what is it? What What's a good buffet out there that people go to? Like Ryan's Buffets around here locally. I it's not mine. Know. I don't own it. But a, it's a big, giant lane of food that you just stuff as much in your mouth as humanly possible at once of all different varieties. There's your GDDR. Perfect. <laughs> I understand it now. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So that's it. That's why we have no stock of anything. Hopefully, this gives you some information on the differences. Uh, when you see that GDDR RAM in there, you know what it is. And you don't say SD RAM, you say SG. You're talking about graphics memory. So clear. So clear. <laughs> Crystal. Okay, Michael, because you said you, it's clear as mud for you, I'm going to give you one more paragraph here that I think might clear it up for you once and for all. GDDR RAM is a synchronous memory, super high bandwidth, much higher than standard DDR RAM. It uses less power and less heat and is way more expensive. That's why it's not in your desktop. Does, ah. does that help? Yes, the, the more expensive part. I get that one. Definitely now, don't want that. Now it sinks in. Perfect. <laughs> this episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a PIN to easily access your password manager as well as additional authentications, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is the password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host it, plus they do security audits and share that information with you so you can see that your passwords are safe. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. You can also get one of their premium accounts that starts at just $10 per year. 
one gigabyte of file storage, two-step authentication with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, Vault Health reports, TOTP authenticator storage, and a generation, plus priority customer service. Make the smart move like many of our community have. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, though, you'll really want to show your appreciation for this fantastic open source project and sign up for the premium edition, especially where it's only $10 a year. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. All right, Wendy, take us into the camera corner. Tell us about creating an HDR image. HDR images really seem to be all the rage, and you can do that with your real camera. So first, we need to start by defining that DR part of that, and that's dynamic range. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me talk about it. And this is how much detail is in the brightest part of the image compared to the darkest part of the image. And the better your overall sensor, the more you can have differences in brightness between the two and still have detail. So a high dynamic range image is one that has more range, I guess you could say, than the standard single snapshot. A lot of phones will have an HDR function automatically. And what it's quickly doing is it's taking several different pictures and putting them together. Now, sometimes depending on the software, they look really good and other times they look horribly fake. One of the ways that you can do this on your own, especially on your real camera, some cameras have settings more of the, the higher end models where you can tell it, okay, I'm going to push the button and it is going to take three images for me. So it's going to take this first one or the middle one, depending on how your camera sets it up, where everything is exactly like it would be if you were taking a single image. The main part of it has the right light setting in it. Then it's going to take one a stop above, which means it's brighter, and a stop below that, meaning it's darker. Then you manually take those into a program and blend them together. And that's the way I prefer to do it. I don't usually have it set on my camera to take a stop brighter or lower. My favorite way of doing this when, say, I'm taking a picture of the mountains and I want to catch the light behind it, the sky, accurately. I will take my first picture with the mountains looking exactly like they look to my eye. And then I'll take a second one that's adjusted for the sky. So I've got usually two, sometimes three. If there's a darker section, then I'll drop down to that area, put my focus there, adjust my lighting accordingly. And now I have two to three images where I bring them manually into a program and blend those to look the way that I want. There are other programs out there where you can do it, where it'll automatically do it. But there's nothing like you see this image in your head of what it looked like when you were there and being able to make it look natural. My favorite way to blend them on the software side is GIMP because you can bring them in on several different layers and then kind of paint in each group to have that overall 
really pretty look and have it blend nicely. Whereas sometimes when you take it from your phone, you're like, oh my gosh, I can tell that that was at one time really, really dark and now all the lines are too sharp. So it gives you a way to get that look and that more natural feel using it, getting it right in camera in each of those places, the really brights, the midtones, and the darks, and then bringing them together in the end to have a really clean, natural looking image. And this is very different than the HDR that's used in video. Like if somebody has an HDR TV, I think there's similarities because as I understand with the TV, it is, you know, brighter whites, deeper blacks, expanded color gamut, but it's kind of a different way of capturing it. It's not doing multiple images, obviously, because it's sending yeah. back the same image. Well, and a lot of that's going on in the TV itself because the image that it's getting from your your channel, your streaming service, whatever, it's taking that and manipulating it inside the TV. Uh, my grandpa got a new great big TV. I don't know how big it is. This thing is huge. It's almost like sitting in a movie theater. Don't let Magneto near it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> And um, so his was an HDR TV. And in all reality, for the most part, he was talking about how crisp and clean the picture was. And I didn't like it. At least the settings that he had it on, there might be some others. Um, but the settings that he had it on, there were some of the things that it just looked overall way too fake for me at the, the time that we were there. One of the movies that was on was an older movie came out in the 70s so the colors oh, should yeah, have been a little more washed out and, and that kind of thing so for me when it comes to hdr in a tv i'm i'm not necessarily a huge fan but when it comes to hdr in images man i i love having all of those kind of flow together and you end up with a, a mountain scene that looks like you could be there yeah. It's really interesting you say that. I my um wife's parents have an HDR TV from Sony and the picture is just beautiful. And the first time you see it, you're kind of blown away. But then they play certain movies like uh one of the Marvel movies, and it's so clear, it's so realistic that I can actually tell it's a set. And it removes the movie magic from it entirely. Like I can tell they're on a film set because it's that clear. And to me, that kind of takes away. It's, it's getting to the point where the images can be so crisp and so perfect that it kind of removes the magic of television and movies. Because they're already shot with cameras that are so much crisper and clearer from the beginning that you get that extra sharpening, especially on a really large screen. And that movie magic goes away. That's an interesting issue with that, and I'm glad that y'all talked about the. I was going to ask the question about what's the difference between HDR here and the and the TV thing, but uh, also games have a thing about HDR, which I, I assume it's kind of the same the way that the TV works. Uh, but what is the difference between this and the HDDR six X? Why, Michael? Why did you have? To, <laughs> why did you have to throw a six? You almost had us for a second there. That was pretty good, though. Because, you know, you had I was I was busy while you're asking that question, thinking about on the computers and stuff, because, of course, ray tracing, that's a big technique, right? To bring in the the better shades and the more better reflections, reflections and 
yeah, all of that. So I was, I, that's where my mind was. When you asked the question, I'm like, wait a minute, 6X, <laughs> HDR 6X. Well played, sir. Yeah, thank you. Well played. Well, that's it. Our final episode of the year. Our 26th episode of Hardware Addicts is now a wrap. So thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Destination Linux network. It just keeps getting bigger. It just keeps getting better. Head to destinationlinux.network. Check out all the amazing podcasts and YouTube partners available there. There's so much to fill your brains with. You can even head to my channel if you're checking out that DO credit we talked about earlier. Because this week I show you how to use DO to set up your own Tor dark web website. Dun, dun, dun. On the dark, dark web. web. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time for another highly dynamic episode because Hardware Addicts is never out of stock. Nice.